0: Greetings in Jesus' precious name this morning. Brother Jay called me early this morning. He wants to send his greetings to you all from South Boston and wanted to make sure we had what we needed for the day that he was praying for us. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 1. We find the book of Psalms to be comforting, instructional, foundational in many ways. And Psalm 1 is probably one that our children have memorized and us adults have almost forgotten. But this morning, six verses, a rather basic sermon. I have five questions from the, psalm, the first psalm for us individually. But I think rather than me reading it, why don't we work on saying this together? So I'm inviting you to stand up and we'll see if we can read it or quote it. And I'm using King James realizing that not all of you have that, but that's the one that I learned it in. I'll spend more time on the first three verses than probably the last three, but let's think about this psalm together. Now, Brother Kevin Summers uh, used this psalm in conference for a devotional and stirred up my thinking a little bit, and Brother Louis Strite, I have a little note here from him speaking on this psalm many years ago, but here's question one from the first verse, and that is, who influences me? I mean, you can think about this various ways, but notice, notice that the man is blessed who is careful of the influence in his life. Uh, Brother Wesley Sensnig, uh, just last week at, at uh, Christian Light Devotional, asked us about our heroes. And we don't often think about our heroes, except maybe you think of heroes of faith, Hebrews 11, but there are indeed people that we admire and look up to and actually become like more than we realize. Um, If you have read The Great Stone Face, you will recognize the concept. And even Brother Davy Showalter, when he teaches young people in Driver's Ed, tells them to be careful what you focus on because you'll drive toward it. If you focus on the white line, you'll be there, and so on. And so, what we, what we unconsciously or consciously allow in our lives, um, has a big difference. Notice, I'm sure you have noticed the progression. In these verses, um, well, there's three progressions of three, but we'll just stick with maybe this basic one, walking, standing, sitting. Um, You can observe this, that people will be walking, and when the conversation deepens, they will stop walking and talk. And then there's the more in-depth conversations of, come up to my office, or let's go and share a meal together, and you sit down and you discuss deeply. Notice, too, the progression in the, the people that we associate with. There's the ungodly, the sinners, and the scornful, at least in the King James there. So we're we're just surrounded by ungodly people. You know that. You you see these people. You interact with them at some level. I think sinners are probably a little stronger than that. Not just ungodly, but but sinning. And then scornful is easier for me to separate yet from those two. Maybe ungodly and sinners are very similar, but scornful is just like outright mocking. And you can read about that in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. But just open ridicule, like people that know right and and just are blatantly blasphemous about it. You've run into those, maybe. Um, Not that there are so many, but sitting with the scornful is an extremely dangerous place to be. I want to spend a little bit of time about this whole first word, I've skipped that a bit, blessed. Well, what does it mean to be blessed? I would say we're very blessed people, and God wishes to bless his people. Um, I think Young's Living says, oh, the happiness of that one who does not do these things. We think that maybe these things sound exciting, fun, enticing. But the fact is that to be really happy, to be really blessed will avoid sinful people. Solomon told his son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Do not walk in the way with them keep your foot from the path. He said further in Ecclesiastes about the path to destruction, the loose living lady. He also said in Proverbs, do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. And so obviously, we as Christians are instructed to be cautious of our influence. Influencers is how I'm thinking about it this morning. This came up partly because I became aware of influencers. I did not know about them before, but there are actually people who have followings generally on social media. They are paid by companies to promote products. You probably know more about this than I do. It's a new concept to me. But influential people... um, Yeah, influencing. Influencing the masses. That this is good, or this is right, or this is appropriate, or this is the best, and so on. I'm circling back now to this whole concept of um, heroes. I think that we all have heroes, if we're honest. And if you want to know about heroes, you can um, listen to who people talk about. Um, I noticed this especially with teens. Um, it might be somebody who does a podcast, good, bad, or indifferent. It might be a famous hunter or driver, or uh, it seems pretty seldom that it would be Dirk Williams or Minnow Simons or John Risser, but there are people we look up to, and who we admire we become like, and I think that's what this whole verse is talking about, that our heart is set toward God or not. <laughs> And who we associate with in that makes a large difference where we come out. Who influences me? Well, check your heart and find out who you admire, who you emulate, who you follow. Paul said it was safe to follow him as much as he followed the Lord. Okay, verse 2. This is um, very related. So in contrast to verse 1, blessed is the man who does not do this, this, and this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. So question number two is, what do I delight in? When I think of delight, I think of blueberry delight or cherry delight. And it makes your eyes sparkle a bit to think about the joy of eating that at the end of a meal. I don't know if we can somehow get a hold of the fact that this can also be our delight over and above, that physical food which tastes good and adds ounces and pounds. Um, this thing of delighting in the law of the Lord is something I think we sometimes need to work on. I do. Um, this is the congregation of my dear teacher, Mr. Mister Garing as in the former Mr. Gehring, Mr. James Gehring. And in 1990, and I realize that's 33 years ago, he gave all of us in high school a um, one-year Bible. And I have used that from then till now, but not without fail, but regularly. And that Bible has been a huge blessing to me I have not always delighted in it, as I should have, but I have found it important daily food. And it's showing its wear, but I treasure it because inside the front cover there, he wrote a personal note to me. And I'm hesitant to get it rebound because I'm afraid that part might be lost. And so it's still there at home, and his challenge to me was to delight in the law of the Lord. Speaking of meditation, meditation is what we think about. And you probably know that your mind goes far and wide, even in a sermon, and you're off on bunny trails and back to the Word and so on. But if you thought about the fact that we, when we read the Word, it's important to meditate on it, to be there. Someone said, wherever you are, be there, or be all there. And so when we're reading the Word, Pulling our thoughts into that, understanding it, thinking about it, applying it, It seems deeper than just a casual reading, if our delight is in the law of the Lord. And then in his law doth he meditate day and night. Have you considered the importance of meditating on the word when you're not reading the word, like through the day? And you are busy and you have things and questions. And what about, how often does our personal reading of the word come up through the day? Do we go all day and it's not come up once? Can we really say that we are meditating day and night? Um, When you wake up at night or in the morning, Is your heart turn toward the word, toward prayer? Have you found it your delight? I remember Brother Eldwin Campbell bringing a message many years ago entitled, The Word of God, Our Very Life. And he impressed on us the importance that there is no other way to know the Lord except through this book. And there is, of course, the work of the Holy Spirit and other Christians, but this is our very life. Moses said to Joshua this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and will have good success and we'll speak to that here in a minute in verse 3 and you know that Psalm 119 further along in the book of Psalms is a long one with basically every verse talking about the word of God Um, in verse 1 so we're at Psalms 1 In Psalm 119.1, he says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. And in verse 97, he says, Oh, how I love your law! Exclamation point. I think that was also from conference. It is my meditation all the day. Oh, how I love your law. I don't know, we're surrounded by people that don't like laws. Don't regard the word read it occasionally, apply it a little, we can do better. We have this book. It's a huge blessing. And especially in the book of Psalms, we find direction and comfort. Okay, verse 3. Am I rooted and fruitful? I'll spend a little more time here. This picture is of a tree planted by the rivers of water that is fruitful in season it is leafy perpetually and i'm not sure i understand fully the last phrase whatsoever he doeth shall prosper but let's save that for a little bit let's think about a tree i like trees um I don't know how much to say here. I have spent many hours not so much hugging a tree, but leaning back against it in a comfortable kind of way, and my experience as a hunter is that you may or may not see animals game, but there are always trees, right? (laughs) There are always trees, they're there, and um, I love this picture of a tree planted by the rivers of water. Well, what's the connection there? Obviously, the tree has roots. It doesn't say that in this passage, but in many others, Um, Jeremiah, when he talks about this very same picture in Jeremiah 17, he said, he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river. And so you've got this mighty tree with roots deep into the soil, but pulling up water and nourishment because it's close to a river and Jeremiah says on further he shall not fear when heat comes but its leaf shall be green will not be anxious in year of drought another picture you might think of is the vine John records Jesus speaking abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And so there again you have the same picture of a branch, which its nourishment, its sustenance is coming from Jesus. And verse 3 is building on verse 2, that the word, I think, is the water, which helps us produce fruit. Um, It seems to be definitely a continuation there of the thought, and he shall be like a tree. In other words, this person is avoiding bad company, rooted deeply in the word and God and Jesus, and is therefore fruitful and uh, pleasant. There's just much to learn from trees. Um... We sing that song sometimes, a strong, young tree. And um, I'm thinking about the fact, have you ever considered mathematically or from an engineering standpoint how that in the summertime when you get a um, thunderstorm and there's a big maple tree standing in your front yard or back or side, and it might be 60 feet tall. That's not a stretch, is it? 40, 50 feet wide, fully leafed and you get a 50-mile-an-hour thunderstorm with water and wind, do you realize what kind of tension and compression and extension loads are on that trunk, especially right at the base where it roots out into the ground? Um, It is um, The leverage is amazing. And if you've ever cut a tree or felled timber, it is amazing how even in the winter bare branches sticking up and you get just a 5 or 10 mile an hour breeze, it can make a lot of difference on what happens when you make a cut and you anticipate this or that happening or not Um, you could actually if you had time on your side and you had a tree that was leaning hard the wrong direction wait until the weather was perfect and you had a dependable wind the other way and probably swing it more than you think um, because of wind and pressure and i think maybe that is a little bit the verse one the influence of the wind on this tree it doesn't say wind in verse three but it talks about roots and roots i think are just the anchor of us as a tree and what we stand on and what we're rooted in and what we love makes a big difference about our ability to stand in difficult circumstances against the pressure of ungodly friends or acquaintances against apostasy. It's just this whole idea of roots going down deeply and then this tree is, um, it's green, Um, it's a blessing. We underestimate the importance of shade on the earth. And you might say what comes first, the desert or the lack of trees, but they're related. Shade preserves water. Shade makes life possible. We might also underestimate the fact that um, while we eat a lot of things that grow annually like wheat or corn, we also eat a lot of things that come from perennials and they often are trees that have been there a long time. I'm fascinated driving past apple orchards and noticing pruning methods. It looks like to me they hack those trees all to pieces. Um, and yet they know what it takes to make fruit. And there's pruning in our lives too. And there's a whole lesson in that that, that we miss sometimes about live branches that look good being cut off to make more fruit. And i um, Sometimes we feel like those apple trees that have been pruned. It's probably called growth. (laughs) I want you to think a little bit about fruit yet. Um, If you go to Ezekiel, you don't have to turn there, but in chapter 47 he mentions this fruit tree that bears fruit every month because the water froze from the sanctuary and their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. And you can compare that to Revelation 22, and there's a pure river of water of life. And in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I'll just say this, there's not much we can look around and see that we expect to see in glory is it? Except I'm expecting some type of trees or tree there. I don't know how that will work exactly, but it seems that God has this thing with trees. <laughs> Remember the first garden he planted and the trees that were there? I'm going to branch a little further afield and think about wood. Um, I'll start with this. In Hebrews 11 4, we have this verse By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. Have you ever considered the fact that trees live on after death? Very much and Everything that we see made of wood is from a tree in the past. Let me illustrate it this way. He being dead yet speaks. We are like that. Our lives are like that. At Christian Light, in the lunchroom, in the back, there are walnut cabinets. Nice walnut cabinets. And that seems to me a little out of place for an industrial setting. It just strikes me when I see it. And I knew that when the new warehouse was built, there were walnut trees in the way. And so in the process of getting ready, they were cut down. And I don't know if it was Joe Rudolph or who, said they would like to have some of the lumber. And so it was uh, milled and dried and made into cabinets. Well, I thought that was kind of a neat connection that the old walnut trees that stood out there in the field are now our lunchroom cabinetry, like around the fridges and the microwaves and the pantry type cabinets with the foodstuffs in them and uh, uh, plasticware and plates and so on. So you have that. But what I didn't know until Crystal told me this I don't know how it came up in conversation. She said, you know, my dad planted those trees. Ah, okay. Now it's coming clearer a little bit. I don't know that that's why we have those cabinets, but it meant something to me and still does that Sanford Shank in his day planted walnut trees and his thought was that when he retires, he will have some wood to either sell or work with to make furniture that was a hobby of his I think and I guess we all know that he didn't live long enough to retire but I'm saying that there's a connection between <laughs> what Sanford Shank did many many years ago in many ways and the fact that we have walnut cabinets at Christian light today you can come look at him if you want to he being dead still speaks His forethought was for our blessing. And how often are people the same way? Any person, I'm thinking about Brother Keith now and the mark that he left. Probably the wood of his life that is left is writing, and children, and grandchildren, and his influence in our churches. He still speaks, similar to a tree in the wood that is left after its death. And I'll just remind you that you're sitting on wood. I'm standing on wood. This structure is wood. And it's amazing to me that in all of the manufactured uh, products in the world, plastic, steel, you name it, wood is still used tremendously uh, for the building industry. We, um, We take shelter under trees if you will as people have been doing since the beginning of time and if you want just a little mother a little more to stimulate your thinking think about Jesus and his life on earth and the fact that that manger was probably wood i guess it could have been something else a cradle is usually wooden a manger wood the fact that he was a carpenter and I don't know if he built houses, set trusses, made furniture, laid stone. Um, but his think about the fact that he retired often to the Mount of Olives. It was tree there were trees there, and the cross was wooden. And interestingly enough, if you want to back up a little bit, in the Old Testament, both arcs were made out of wood. The tabernacle supported by wood. Even the temple had strong wood components. Um, I don't know. This thing of trees and wood is a fascinating study. Maybe we should leave off there. Okay, let's go to verses 4 and 5 and take them together. In contrast to this tree... Which is quite permanent, very rooted, growing in the word. We have the ungodly. This is referring back to verse one. There's people that we are warned not to walk with, stand with, sit with. Are chaffy. They are. Um, they are very temporary. And uh, chaff is not just. Um, useless it is actually in the way and we have in the bible jesus talking about his winnowing fan and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn but the chaff the chaff yes the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire so the end of the wicked is destruction The ungodly are unstable, unsettled, unrooted, and opposed to God's plan. I think the book of James mentions them being like a vapor. Ecclesiastes does for sure. The question with this one is, will I stand? The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Will I stand in the judgment? Am I standing now? Am I rooted solidly enough not to be blown around? Am I rooted solidly enough to be a protection for those around me, for those even under me? Am I solid enough to be counted on? Or chaffy enough that nobody knows? In verse 5, the ungodly will not stand into judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Yes, their end is destruction. And we think about congregation. I think we often think about churches, but that's not just the company. Um, final judgment at the end of our lives either of those there will be separation between the godly and the ungodly and probably this is referring to uh, Revelation uh, 20 I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them and I saw the dead small and great standing before God and the books were opened And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that are written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivering up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to his works. While now the righteous and the ungodly might be growing together and even hard to distinguish at some times, there will be a clear separation coming. Will I stand in that judgment? Am I faithful presently? I'd like to move to verse 6. I found this verse a great comfort. The question here is, Does the Lord know me? For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So we're back to talking about ways. Remember the first verse talked about a path. The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. Jesus said in John verse 10, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and have known by my own. My sheep, in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Does the Lord know me? Well, it has everything to do with who we are associating with, who we admire, what we feast on, feed on, where our roots go down to, whether our heart is turned toward God, If it is, God knows us, and he cares about us, and he knows our path and directs us every day. The ungodly can't claim that promise from the last phrase of this psalm. To summarize a few things I've said, let's think about paths and trees a bit. This psalm seems to be about paths, understanding that our, our lives take paths. And we know there's a broad road and a narrow path. And we endeavor to stay on the straight and narrow. And we know that our lives have forks and T's and turns unexpected things just um, brother Keith's passing was an unexpected turn for us and it will require more decisions and more delegation of responsibilities But so our lives individually have these things that we don't anticipate but we know who walks with us We know that some paths lead upward and some down. And we know because we're human that down is easy and up is hard. You might call to mind Pilgrim's Progress and think about Pilgrim and his path and all of his experiences with different traveling companions, different towns, different influences. And um, if you want a fair commentary on chapter, on Psalm 1 verse 1 um, and 2 and 3, you can read Pilgrim's Progress or maybe at least read the abridged version. And you might also call to mind the poem Two Roads Diverged in a Yellow Wood and think about the fact that every decision we make tends us one way or another in our lives And where we end up has to do with multitudes of small decisions that directs our final destiny. I would also like to think a bit more about trees here in closing. Trees need water and light. So do people. Trees can be strong and beautiful. Trees have seasons. I just think of children as as little seedlings uh, coming up in the forest or the field, and they're tender. They need protection. They need the grass pulled back. They need water in dry years. Uh, I think of young people as, like, I call them pole stands. You know the trees that are maybe this big around and tall and they're rooted, but they're not full strength. They're susceptible. They're getting their feet under them. They have um, they have some history and a lot ahead of them, but they are maturing and they're growing. You can think of a mature tree, and maybe you're picturing a faithful deer older brother or sister who has weathered the um, storms and difficulties. Um, Maybe they've incurred some damages, and you can still see that, but they're, they're faithful. I'm thinking about that every year trees have seasons, and you have spring, summer, fall, winter, And I'm remembering that trees live on after their death, providing service, blessing, and fruit if their lives were to God's glory. God bless you all.